edition of name two bands with andy and andy welcome uh we're a little late uh recording this week for <laughs> various reasons some of which we'll get to um and as usual we're slack my... <laughs> that was part of it um my name That's is andy amazing. brown and with me as always it's andy sanford how are you andy, andy? sanford um, i'm um i'm real good today yeah good today um and we'll we'll get to that in just a second. Um, this okay. week we are doing uh, Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath, and it's appropriate that uh, we're doing Black Sabbath um, because they, of course, rather famously uh, have the song "War Pigs." Um, and today, Donald Trump announced that he is hiring John Bolton to run the National Security Council. Um, if you guys are not familiar with uh, John Bolton. He's basically a general ripper um, from Dr. Strangelove, and that is not an exaggeration. Um, he believes. Oh, nice. The answer to every situation, whether it's Iran or uh, North Korea or whatever, um, is fucking kill them all and let God sort it out. Um, Mind Fuhrer, I can walk. So we may be heading into uh, dangerous times here. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying that we won't get our hair mussed a little bit, but I mean, I'd say 20, 30 million dead tops uh, if everything goes according <laughs> to plan. Uh, everything breaks our way. Yes. Um, but uh, so you had a, a little. We got a real chance. <laughs> you had a little situation this week. Um, so why don't you go ahead and uh, tell everybody um, to the extent that you want to get into it? Yeah, um, this week was uh, a lot of non-fun. And uh, basically, um, after a uh, fun weekend, which a pretty normal weekend, I worked all weekend, but also had my fantasy baseball draft on Saturday, so that was fun. Woo <clears throat> and, you know, all I'm looking forward to is... Um, the new version of Out of the Park Baseball to come out on this past Monday, you know. Yeah. I'm actually, like, just sitting at work Sunday night, like, counting down, like, hoping <laughs> they're going to release it early since it's in, you know, it's tomorrow in Germany always ahead of time, so. Right. <clears throat> Anyways. I wake up Monday and, like, I'm downloading the baseball game and excited to check it out, and I see this weird status about relating to my workplace and I start asking a couple people and and basically I find out that um, the place where I work has been closed against our will and the reality of that situation is 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 that I'm overnight out of a job right and you know I've been working at this place for I guess about 19 years. Yeah, 19 years now. Yeah. And um, I've had a couple of second jobs along the way to supplement at times, but it's been probably 11 years since I've look, looked for a job. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, so that that was, you know, I've, I'm, 
it happened at a decent time where I'm kind of like ahead of all on all my bills and caught up on everything and have a little credit. So like, you know, worst case scenario, I I had a, a little uh, pillow, you know, to buy myself some time to figure something out. But, but you still never you know. know. Basically, yeah, you never know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's basically, you know. And I always know, but you know, my job has always had this risk. It's part of the job. Is this going to happen at any point in time? But you know, things have been in battled in courtrooms for like six years now, and this was the first time that it actually, uh, you know, there was a real world effect to it. Yeah. And um, so you know, basically, kind of all week, uh, alternating between uh, panic, uh, denial, anger. Um, finally, a, a, a bit of acceptance as I as I kind of worked out my uh, my budget and saw that okay, I've, I've you know I've got a little little time here to figure something out, you know. And um, so yeah, after spending basically all week, uh, sort of paralyzed in that emotional state, you know, dealing with it the best I possibly can, staying as positive as best I can, and all that, you know, all of a sudden today I get word that. Um, the lawyers have worked something out and at least for now we're opening back up business as normal tomorrow. So essentially I lost one shift yeah. <laughs> So, like a, a whole lot of, uh, emotional stress and, and, you know, just like trying to figure out what to do, you know? Yeah. So that's uh, and then all of a sudden, just you know, reprieve. Oh yeah. Now you know because of the nature of my job where I work, this could happen again next week. You yeah. know, I, I so yeah. it was good to kind of you know go through it and kind of know what to expect. Should you know the next time it happens, there not be a happy ending. Yeah. So you know, start coming up with nice, some contingency plans, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I've you know, I've got I've got several contingency plans, but I really didn't want to like have to execute them until my daughter is at least 18 and hopefully 20. Yeah. And she's 15 now, so you know, I I need a good 3 to 5 more years of good stable life that I've been providing so far to get her through high school. Of course. Yeah. And then, you know, I can sell my house and go grind out a living on the poker tour <laughs> <laughs> well yeah that's good news um i was relieved when you told me that so i can only imagine how you would have felt yeah because like like monday when we were supposed to record i was basically like you know i found out monday afternoon and fortunately over the weekend i'd come into uh, these um these 50 milligram medicated gummy bears. Mm -hmm. And normally gummy bears are like 10 milligrams. <laughs> and <laughs> so, that's the danger. So I was edibles. able to kind of, <laughs> I was able to kind of relieve my anxiety and, uh, you know, just kind of, uh, turn my mind off and be able to just relax and get some sleep and, I'm just kind of falling in and out, watching TV, and then you're like buzzing me, like, "Hey, I'm ready, whenever." And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh shit, I, man, I can't even fucking hold my eyes open right yeah. now, much less like 
form thoughts and 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 like this is like sabbath and zeppelin which is my specialty so i'm supposed to be like leading the conversation i'm like i just can't do yeah. this right now yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's no worries uh <laughs> so happy ending for now uh yeah good enough for now i just you know i mean i need uh, income coming in and i was pretty much willing to do any job that i can handle which is just about anything except like extreme labor you know yeah i just you know i didn't i just it's been so long since i've tried to figure something out that <laughs> i was like where do i begin yeah yep yeah that's always hard and but it, now i know where know to begin because because i you know I I went through the process of, you know, I need to find a job within a couple of weeks and I'm starting now. <laughs> so yeah. so now next time I don't have to like spend a day going, okay, what the fuck do I do? I know what right. to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but hopefully I got uh, some time. Yeah. Hopefully. Let's hope. Cross fingers. Um, yeah. So I, I did not have a, a very stressful week at all. Um, and That's good. This last weekend, in fact, um, my son and I went and we finally watched uh, Black Panther. Have you seen that yet? I still have not seen that yet. But I generally wait for uh, home for the Marvel stuff. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to see it in a, in a theater. Um, and I'm actually um, not really a big fan of the Marvel um, universe. Um, like I'd say my... My I like some of it. My favorites um, were uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier, um, basically because that was more or less like a 1970s like paranoid thriller, um, and I'm really into those kind of movies. Um, and then uh, Ant Man and the Two Guardians of the Galaxy movies, because um, those are just basically comedies. They didn't take themselves. Yeah, I like Guardians. All, um, seriously. Um, Doctor Strange was awesome. I feel like we've talked about this before, but yeah, Doctor Strange was awesome. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. Um, and as for Black Panther, um, it did deal, of course, um, with some very serious um, racial themes. Um, way more so um, than any other Marvel movie. Um, there's actually really some important stuff in it. However, it was still a comic book movie. Um, so I liked it, but it was still a comic book movie. Um, Had to be better than Justice League. Then which one? Justice League. I see. I haven't even watched any of those DC movies. I. That's the only one I've seen. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't watched any of them. I heard Wonder Woman was good, but I haven't watched it yet. So um, I'll probably get to it at uh, some point. Um, another thing that we did want to talk about at least a little bit. Um, was the uh, whole story that broke this week about uh, this political firm um, called Cambridge Analytica, um, how they had violated Facebook's um, policy about gathering your data, and then they used that data um, to form what are called, uh, they call um, psychographics, um, which is kind of like a detailed um, psychological profile of all the people they had gathered data on, and then they had used that in the 2016 election. Um, and you posted something on Facebook about it, which is why I wanted to talk about it. Um, so why don't you go ahead and uh, share your reaction to it? 
Uh, I just, um, I find it interesting because, I mean, it kind of confirms what I already know that, that people are kind of sleepwalking through life and they see something on Facebook and they don't actually consider it. Right. It, they just react. Right. And they react without awareness of their reaction and they're just like, you know, easily manipulated and, and, led in any sort of direction and i mean i've been observing that on facebook for years you know so yeah, like along. to see that like that that was like actually a thing you know like okay yeah you know yeah <laughs> yeah and um uh what else was i gonna say uh, uh, just that you know just i mean you got you know someone will post something and then you can go look it up on Snopes, and then someone else will say, "Well, you know, you can't trust Snopes, right. and like, yeah. you know, you can't trust anything." But <laughs> yeah. here's something that's least level-headed and has some sources, and or here's something that's like, you know, that's obviously, um, you know, just like way overblown to try and like shock you into reacting a certain way. Yeah, you know, and yep. and and uh, I I kind of posted it as a joke, but at you know, as it started coming out, that a lot of that that wild, misinformed type stuff was was like being planted by um, people who wanted to influence thought or Russians or whatever. You know, I was just like, okay, well, you know what? It should be. It should be. Uh, oh shit! What's the word now? Um, a, a traitorous action to repost propaganda posted by Russian operatives. <laughs> yeah. Um, the good news here um, is that, because as you know, um, politics is uh, my other big passion in life. Um, so I am pretty w- well versed in like... Uh, um, you like politics, I like wrestling. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> it can, Donald Trump's <laughs> proof of that. Um, exactly. And uh, so I'm, I'm very familiar with like uh, the political science research and the this kind of stuff. Um, so it should be a little bit relieving. I would say that their <laughs> psychographics stuff is a bunch of fucking nonsense. Um, it's bullshit. It doesn't work. Um, and even the people who have hired Cambridge Analytica and use them, um, for example, Ted Cruz's campaign during the primary, um, they basically stopped using the data about halfway through the campaign. Cause they said it was basically worthless. Um, Mm-hmm. And the reason that they continued to pay Cambridge Analytica is uh, the Mercer family. It's just billionaires. Um, they're contingent on them donating money to the campaign was that they hire Cambridge Analytica because they own Cambridge <laughs> Analytica. Um, a, lot of, a lot of backslapping there. Yes. Okay, got it. Yeah. Incestuous. Um so that that part of it is bullshit. However, um, you're definitely well. That's the thing is, I'm I'm skeptical of even like whistleblowing type stuff because I mean, what's you never know the agenda there, you know? Well, they were they were definitely trying to do it. Um, they sure. were trying to psychologically profile people and influence them. Um, however, and when I say that it's not effective, what I mean by that is that it can't um, manipulate people into kind of changing um, their partisan leanings you know um however you are to reinforce the more extreme exactly. sides of it yeah you exactly right and that's exactly what cambridge analytica did um and exactly what russia did um which is push these like just 
outright bullshit um, stories um, about Hillary Clinton that were completely made up. They were not true. Um, <laughs> and people just reacted to it and hit share on it. Um, like the there were 13 Russian nationals that were indicted by uh, um, the Mueller investigation. And they estimated that um, of the stuff that they put on Facebook or Twitter, there were over a billion um, organic shares. So that's people like, um, or excuse me, a billion organic impressions. So that's either people reading it, people hitting like on it, people commenting on it, people sharing it. Um, so if you're like a Republican, let's say, and you see this bullshit story that's, again, let's emphasize, completely made up, <laughs> um, and you see this, you don't, your brain, um, it's confirmation bias. You're like, well, yeah, I could see that. I believe uh -huh. that. Um, and of course, that's no different than, uh, like what Fox News does or Sean Hannity does or et cetera. Sure. Um, the other thing about this, um, uh, I know I was more interested about it. Um, is just what they did um, in getting the Facebook data and um, a little. Oh, yeah. Well, that's been kind of obvious. For, yeah. You know, like sometimes I'll just be like, you know what? I want to take this fucking quiz and I don't care who gets my data. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I, and I, I would love to see I would love to see propaganda targeted at me based on the profile that they would get from my data. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't think they'd be able to do all that <laughs> just much. Just try. Just give me something. I just want to see you try. I'm, well, I'm sure you get lots of, like, kiss ads and stuff like that, um, or music ads. Oh, well, uh, that's all. Yeah, ads. I get ads. Yeah. 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 I, I'm, I'll yeah. go look at a, a product on a page and then see the ad for it. Yeah, that's yeah. All, that stuff's all. Yeah, that's, that's, that's all. mostly. You're not going to get um, me that way. That's mostly <laughs> what your, your data is um, actually used for. Yeah. People think yeah. of Facebook as, like, a social media company. Or um, Google as like a search company. Um, it's data the, gathering. Yeah, they're data gathering for advertising purposes. Companies. That's what they are. That's their business model. Um, and at work, um, the past couple months, um, we've been looking into, and I'm kind of been the point person on this, the main one pushing it, and going to all the meetings and all those kind of things with various digital marketing firms. Um, so just to give everybody a like sense of the scope of this okay like think about your smartphone okay now you have uh location services on there right um so you can use it for like um maps and gps and all that kind of stuff now that almost everybody probably 99 percent of people who are listening to this um or just anybody um you've no doubt downloaded an app onto your phone where you've um, said that they can use your location services. Um, so what they can do with that is they'll take, look at your frequently visited locations and they can figure out which one is your house. Okay. Um, so they look up that address, then they go offline to the county assessor's office, find out who lives there. And from that, they can determine like, you're Andy Samford, you have a daughter who's 15 years old, um, your income is X amount, your credit score is this, and then all your search history, anything that you, like, search, everywhere you browse, um, 
all your Facebook data that's going to be available. Um, and like, that's just how extensive it is. Um, in fact, uh, both of the, the two firms that we ended up seriously considering, including the one that we went with, we can target ads to um, people who specifically walk into our competitors' stores. They, nice. they will get an ad from us. So it's great. That's great <laughs> for marketing, but that's also um, fucking creepy as hell when you think about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're basically... I, as, long as, as long as there's no app that allows you to anonymously direct message the person in the car next to you. That's when we're going to start having problems. <laughs> yeah, that, that could be a real problem. Um, and I, another thing uh, that I've learned, um, and this is true, both Facebook does this. They deny that they do it, but they, they do do it. Um, they use your phone as a microphone. Um, and so they can actually um, pick up things that you oh, yeah. say. Tap in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They'll pick up things that you say yeah. and then target advertising based on that. Um, yeah, yeah. The one that really gets me is that Amazon Alexa thing. Because people oh, are yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's literally installing a surveillance device <laughs> <laughs> willingly into their home. Um, but so, yeah, that's all politics. Then uh, we should talk about music, probably. Um, so did, did you uh, have a chance to get to that album or did you want another week on that? No, I'm gonna have to request a bye week again. It was, it was like it was a busy weekend with the baseball draft and work, and then I, you know, I plan on listening to it a couple times uh, Monday afternoon, and then uh, yeah, Monday kind of life happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. um, Things got upside down for a few days, so um, I do have a, a review of that Black Mountain album, um, and it is oh yeah, it is right. favorable. Um, but I'll go ahead and and hold off as well. Um, yeah, just go ahead and wait because I don't have anything ready to like give you new yet either. So yeah, um, and I wouldn't mind listening to it a, a couple more times just to maybe flesh it out a little bit more. Um, cool. So uh, as I mentioned, um, we are doing Black Sabbath and Black Led Zeppelin, Sabbath. which, uh, as Andy said, um, probably for the first time uh, in this show's history, these are. Two bands that are way more up your alley than they are up my alley. So yeah, uh, these, I actually like know this stuff. Yeah, so you're running point on this one, and uh, cool. We'll go ahead and uh, lead into it as per usual with a clip. Yeah, y'all. So this is uh, this is something we've waited for a long time on the show, and uh, I know it's all going to be well worth the wait. So would you welcome, please, Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Drive our ships to the new land Fight the whole 
First time, uh, I think, in the short history of this podcast, I am actually going to reserve judgment. Um, I like both of these bands. Um, I don't. I'm not in love with either of them. Um, I do like them, and I, of course, uh, I'd have to be like uh, like raised in the woods to have never really listened to Black Sabbath or Led Zeppelin. Um, <laughs> but uh, I really couldn't um, determine. Um, which one I uh, liked more just from listening to it um, this past week and a half um, and thinking about it. So uh, I'll kind of uh, listen to your arguments and uh, base my judgment on that. All right. Well, anybody that uh, knows me knows the answer to Black Sabbath versus Led Zeppelin, and that answer is very easily Black Sabbath. Of course. However, I... Uh, I do love Led Zeppelin. I've loved Led Zeppelin since I was a little kid. Zeppelin was one of my dad's favorites, and I watched the song Remains the Same when I was probably like six or seven, like over and over and over, and listened to Led Zeppelin 4 a bunch. And and at that point in time, I couldn't stand Ozzy's voice or anything Black Sabbath. And then, like, all of a sudden, um, I guess I was probably like 15 and like, really like experiencing like dark teenage puberty depression for like full on the first yeah. time. That's when I first And like all of a sudden <laughs> all of a sudden Black Sabbath just like I got it completely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um and all I did was listen to Sabbath over and over and over and that was when I first like started playing in bands and my goal at that time was to just basically 
write Black Sabbath riffs and songs that sounded like Black Sabbath. And when I started uh, singing uh, in my second band, I noticed that I kind of sounded like Ozzy when I sang. And so I started to kind of like accentuate that at times, right. you know, because it fit. It was a it was a doom band, you know, it fit the music perfect. And uh, and then that eventually grew to the point where um, I guess it was the early aughts. I w- performed as Ozzy in a Black Sabbath tribute band for a couple of years. Hell yeah. <laughs> and so now, uh, uh, you know, with with Zeppelin, I've I've experienced Zeppelin burnout just from like working in places where we listen to classic rock radio, and classic rock radio will burn you the fuck out on Led For Zeppelin, sure. yep. s- so easily. <clears throat> so uh, you know, I I've experienced burnout with Zeppelin, but n- you never will experience true burnout with a band until you perform in a tribute band to that band. Yeah, I imagine so. <laughs> and, and it was actually, it was really years before I could listen to Black Sabbath for enjoyment because I had to listen to it a lot to like re- learn practice remembering lyrics and stuff. Sure. Because I was just singing. I wasn't playing, so I didn't have to learn the song. I just had to learn the, the lyrics. But we rehearsed it, you know, and then we played it, you know, and it was just, it was like... I can't listen to these songs at all. And and I loved this band so much. I mean, from like age 15 till I gave my life to Boognish in the late nineties, I'd say Black Sabbath was number two and now they hover between three and five for me. So, you know, I mean, but so it sucked that I like couldn't listen to them and enjoy it. But after some years, it's been probably 12, 11, 10, 11, 12 years since I did that tribute. I can now again listen to Sabbath and enjoy it. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> That'd be a big loss. So that's, yeah. that's my history with Sabbath and Zeppelin. So easily it's Sabbath, even though I love Zeppelin. Um, But, you know, so now we, uh, which band do you want to talk about first? It's up to you. <clears throat> Well, I guess we'll let's do let's do Sabbath because Sabbath is my passion. I mean, they like led to like so much stuff from music wise, you know. All right, yeah, go for so, it. So, um, so Black Sabbath started off as a British blues band, not unlike um, like Fleetwood Mac, early Fleetwood Mac, or uh, Peter, uh, or not Peter Green, but uh, the Blues Breakers that had Eric Clapton's first band and stuff, and they would do British blues and. Um, uh, I'm not sure of the timeline exactly on this, but at some point, uh, Tony Iommi was, did machinery, machine work or something. And he accidentally chopped off the ends of two of his fingers and he pretty much uh, gave up the idea of being able to ever play guitar again after that. And then, uh, a buddy of his at work gave him a Django Reinhardt album and Django Reinhardt was a, a guitarist who played with two fingers. He, he was missing three complete fingers, not just the tips. So that inspired Iomi to um, basically fashion himself a pair of uh, like nubs made out of rubber that he stuck on the end of his fingers. And um, because of that, he kind of developed his own guitar playing style. He uh, used lighter strings and tuned them down to make them easier to grip and um, would would play mostly with his, his first and pinky fingers. 
And so that kind of all combined to give him a, a unique guitar sound and approach that kind of led to Black Sabbath's sound. And um, they uh, they were called Earth, and they went and saw a a uh, uh, the movie Black Sabbath. You know, it was like a horror movie from the mid '60s, and uh, they watched it, and they're like. Yeah, you know, scary stuff is we should you know, we should make our band like a horror movie, you know, we should we should make scary music. And so the first song they wrote with that in mind was the song Black Sabbath and that song's kind of pretty much invented heavy metal right there. Yeah. Especially stoner metal for sure. Um Oh yeah, yeah. And uh and uh, just, just to so there was a brief real, just Go to ahead. interject real quick. Um I did not know this. Um because I, I had Wikipedia open while you were talking, um, and I was looking at the trying to find that timeline. And apparently, for about a year, um, Tony Iommi left Earth and was in Jethro Tull. Um, I'm just about to get to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. I, I was, that's what I was just going to say, though. There was a, a brief moment in time where he uh, – I don't think it was a full year. It wasn't that long. But uh, he was. Oh wait, he yeah. Was with, he, actually, reading it now it was about a month. Is all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He joined Jethro Tull. His only appearance with them was uh, uh, during the, the Rolling Circus. Stones Rock and Roll Circus film. So he is on film performing with Jethro Tull, but it was a lip sync performance. So he never actually performed with them. And after that, he realized that his heart was with Sabbath, and he wanted to do his own music. And he went right back to Sabbath, and that right. It wasn't long after that that uh, they got management and got signed to Vertigo and uh, released their first album on February 13th, 1970. And that's all from memory. None of this is Wikipedia from my end. Damn. <laughs> that's like me talking about Dylan. I could have talked about Dylan for like three fucking hours last week. Um. So, you know, the first album, uh, they were kind of... Uh, Saddled with the whole satanic image against their will, the whole upside down cross on the uh, gatefold was the record company's doing, just to kind of accentuate the the scariness, I guess. Right. And so that that kind of followed them around for a while, but it probably was was a good thing for their uh, career. Oh, for sure. And yeah. uh, uh, after the the first album was recorded in twelve hours, in one day, they just basically played their live set through a couple times and. Uh, so that's and that's what the first album is. The second album was uh, Paranoid, and that was the one. Initially, it was going to be called War Pigs, and the record label made them change it. Uh, but that's why the album cover looks like it should fit War Pigs. But the album's called Paranoid, and that was the song and album that kind of just broke them into yeah. mass popularity worldwide. Yep. And then the third album, Masters of Reality, that uh, kind of or Master of Reality, excuse me. That album pretty much invented grunge because of the uh, production and, and just the overall kind of vibe of it. So that was their second genre uh, invention. And then they uh, Volume 4 kind of followed along the same lines, and then they decided they wanted to get uh, uh, progressive and started adding synthesizers to their sounds. And this is my favorite period of Black Sabbath is the Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, and Sabotage albums. Uh, Rick Wakeman from Yes guested on... Sabbath Bloody Sabbath album, and Damn, I only I started playing a lot of. Say again. I said I didn't know that. that and um, 
those albums in retrospect some people it's their favorites like mine and some people think they're not like true to the original four album sound but i really like when they got got kind of progressive and and branched out and more more production and more produced you know it was was, yeah i dug it and then uh their last two albums with ozzy technical ecstasy and uh never say die are both kind of panned among most fans but i happen to like them quite a bit um technical ecstasy just has some really cool they get more progressive and more out there and even pop in some places and jazz in some places and most people are just like this isn't black sabbath what i want to hear from black sabbath and i don't want this but i i dig it because it's weird and different and uh, the last album, Never Say Die, they actually they fired Ozzy and hired Dave yep. Walker, who was in one of the versions of Fleetwood Mac before Buckingham and Nix. And he was in the band for one TV appearance. And then Ozzy came back and said, okay, I'm back, but I'm not going to sing any of the songs that you wrote for this other guy. So they had to rewrite uh, the whole album and... Uh, <laughs> And then after that album, and uh, they went on tour. They took Van Halen out on tour, and they were kind of like it was Van Halen in 1978, uh, just yeah. coming out like super on fire, total yeah. energy. And here's Black Sabbath, kind of like burnt out, super strung out on coke, fucking dinosaurs, just barely like there on stage, and they got blown off the stage every night by Van Halen. Yeah, that, that's at that point that would not be a competition. <laughs> And then uh, they fired Ozzy and got Dio. And uh, some people love the Black Sabbath with Dio more than Ozzy. I, for a while, was not a big Dio fan and didn't really like the Sabbath Dio. Uh, but then when I was like, like just so super deep into Sabbath and was like listening to all the Ozzy Sabbath, you know, and then I kind of thought to myself, well, you know, these Dio albums, it's the same band. It's just a different singer. Yeah. So I started listening to it, f- focusing on the music and just kind of ignoring Dio and you know, I started to really get into those albums, and then I started really liking Dio, and and now, I, you know, now it's almost a, a toss up as to which era. I, I still got to go with Ozzy because of you know the influence of of those early stuff, and and on me personally with my music, but I really love those Dio albums too. And then they thought it would be uh, after Dio left, they got in a big argument mixing the live album. They would. Uh, uh, half the geezer and Tony would go in and mix it, and then Dio would go in after they left and remix it, and then they would go back and undo what Dio did. So they got in a big fight, and Dio yeah. quit. And so then they thought it would be a good idea to get um, Deep Purple's singer for an album, and uh, you know I, that's kind of a cult favorite. A lot of people, uh, it's you know it's not produced very well. It has a very dark, weird sound. And which album would that know, be? Born Again, nineteen eighty-three. Uh, and um, so that did one album and one tour, and that tour was odd because it featured Bev Bevan on drums and Ian Gillen from Deep Purple on vocals, and you had Black Sabbath doing a Deep Purple song, and it was just oh, it was. Weird. But uh, that was uh, they had uh, um, Stonehenge on that tour. That's where Spinal Tap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good for the Stonehenge the bit. History, yeah. And then after that, they kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, Tony Iommi recorded an album that he wanted to release as a solo album, but they, the label said, no, you have to release it as Black Sabbath. That's the only way this is going to sell. But it was just Tony Iommi, and they went for, you know, 
uh, about five or six years, just kind of, you know, they're the, that those albums are all right. They're interesting, but they're nowhere near the classic stuff. And uh, then they reunited with Dio for an album, and then Ozzy wanted to reunite for a couple of uh, like uh, encores at his supposed last shows in 1992. And Dio said, "I'm not opening for Ozzy," so he quit again. And um, <laughs> then they did the reunion with Ozzy in the late 90s, and that's when I finally got to see them live. And it was—I mean, it, they were great. It was great, and. Um, and then they did another reunion with Dio in the mid-aughts, but they decided to call that Heaven and Hell to not confuse people, even though everyone, you know, anyone that knows them would know what's up. But it was probably Sharon Osbourne's doing, like, no, you're not calling it Black Sabbath anymore if Ozzy's not in it. Right. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, then they did uh, Reunited with Ozzy again after Dio passed away and did one final album that, produced by Rick Rubin that I thought was pretty decent. And, 13. um uh, final farewell tour. I got to see them in Denver when I was out there for the Ween reunion. Uh, Black Sabbath happened to play at the during the same week, so it was three nights of Ween and then the fourth night of Black Sabbath. So that was like Hell one yeah. of the <laughs> best four night runs of my life. And uh, so yeah, that's pretty much Black Sabbath uh, history. So a lot, a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of you know maybe mediocreish stuff, but still kind of interesting stuff and. Um, you know, uh, a big catalog with with uh, a lot of peaks. Yeah. And, um, so what did what did you listen to uh, over the past week and a half? What what were your uh, favorite Sabbaths? I listened to um, Paranoid, uh, Master of Reality, um, Volume Four, and Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. Um, and that, yeah, that's good. Write them. Write them. Yeah. Yeah, and the the f- first two um, I had when I was a teenager, um, and I liked both of them, and specifically, actually, I liked them um, because of all the Satan references. Um, <laughs> because I mean, I was raised Mormon, so that was very uh, unique to me. Yeah. Um, but mostly, you know, um, I'd pretty much just be into like the greatest hits for the most part. Um, and they have, they do have like lots of awesome songs, like. Uh, like NIB and War Pigs and Sweet Leaf and Supernaut. Yeah, the classics. Children of the Grave, you know, The Wizard. Some of the deep those. cuts are pretty adventurous and interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I've only really listened um, to those first four, um, but I, I like all of them. Um, it's just not, I, I always like Black Sabbath when I hear Black Sabbath. I've never disliked them. It's just not, never, just never one that I just, you know, super got into. Um, and I did, uh, <laughs> um, I've got one story I want to tell you. Um, and then, uh, uh, I have a couple things I want to read real quick. Um, okay. and the story is, so, um, this guy, and I, I wouldn't say he was my friend. He was an acquaintance, um, like a friend of a friend. And I was at my friend's house and we were all, you know, hanging out and smoking and stuff. And, um, he was kind of pontificating, you know, as people do sometimes. And he loves Black Sabbath and he loves Ozzy Osbourne. And he was talking and he's just like, I mean, man, like Ozzy, he'd have to be. I mean, you'd have to say he's like the king, man. He's like <laughs> the king of rock he's and roll. Of darkness. He's the king of rock and roll. <laughs> and we're like, uh, 
I think I think that one's taken. Um. <laughs> Ozzy's the Prince of Darkness. Everyone yeah. knows this. Your friend is an idiot. Yeah, yeah. He, well, he was he was not the smartest guy. Um, but there's I, a lot of burnout Ozzy fans in the world. Yeah, yeah. He he would be one of them. <laughs> uh, so, uh, real quick, I wanted to read because, uh, like, just to be clear, before I read these, I did not agree with this, um, but. Uh, um, I'm sure you're familiar with, uh, Robert Criscow. Um, so oh, yeah. I wanted to read, uh, his the, the man who christened Springsteen, the God of all music. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so I wanted to read his reviews of, uh, the first three black Sabbath. Albums. Oh yeah. This is going to be great. I'm sure this is going to be <laughs> yes. great. <laughs> so for, uh, the self titled, the worst of the counterculture on a plastic platter. Bullshit necromancy, drug-impaired reaction time, long solos, everything. They claim to oppose war, but if I don't believe in loving my enemies, I don't believe in loving my allies either, and I've been worried something like this was going to happen since the first time I saw a numerology column in an underground newspaper. (laughs) For Paranoid, uh, they do take heavy to undreamt of extremes and i suppose i could enjoy them as camp like a horror movie the title cut is definitely scream worthy after all their audience can't take that lucifer bit seriously right well no robert (laughs) dipshit well actually there were there were some people that took that shit quite seriously the uh there was was like a a witch representing the first church of satan showed up at one of their shows and afterwards was like you're gonna have a seance with us you have to you know they're like um leave us alone yeah we don't actually uh, um so he says uh well depends on what you mean by serious oh good one robert Personally, I've always suspected that horror movies, uh, catharsized stuff, I was too rational to care about in the first place. And so for Master of Reality, he says, uh, As an increasingly regretful spearhead of the great Grand Funk Switch, in which critics redefined GFR as a 1971 good old-fashioned rock and roll band, even though I've never met a critic, myself included, who actually played the records, I feel entitled to put this in its place. Grand Funk is like an American white blues band of three years ago. Dull. Black Sabbath is in English. Dull and decadent. I don't care how many rebels and incipient groovies are buying. I don't even care if the band members believe in their own Christian, Satanist, liberal merc. This is a dim-witted, <laughs> amoral exploitation. Um, I mean, awesome. So I had no idea that... Uh, Chris Cow was uh, such a self-righteous moralist, um, considering <laughs> that he loves the fucking Rolling Stones. Uh, that seems a little bit yeah. odd. <laughs> and by the way, I just have to add that Grand Funk is awesome. And the critics always hated them, and they were the first band to sell out Shea Stadium since the Beatles did it. Well, damn. I've, I've never even yeah. heard Grand Funk. Oh, you've heard some Grand Funk. You've heard Grand Grand Funk Railroad. That's who it's referring to. Yeah, Yeah, I'm sure I've heard of it. I'm your captain. Yeah. But Uh, they have some uh, deeper stuff that's pretty awesome. Some pretty sweet fuzz wah guitar action. I'll have to check that out sometime. Um, That's about about all I had on Sabbath. So, you know, positive, but just never got real super deep into them. Um, So uh, let's go ahead and uh, tackle Led Zeppelin. So, yeah, Zeppelin, you know, uh, 
kind of started off the same way as as reinterpreting the blues and but doing it kind of harder rock but you know they had uh some issues with like blatant thievery at times no yeah that's (laughs) one of the things i was gonna bring up (laughs) i mean you know i mean mean, i'll I'll say this like because we've talked about obviously this issue before right and it's it's one thing it's one thing if you're like oasis you know and you're ripping off like the beatles um or uh like get it on you know like because right everybody knows that you're doing it and it's really big bands um that you're copying led zeppelin just straight up fucking rip songs off from like straight up (laughs) from people who like were nobodies like obscure blues guys nobodies yeah um, like even Stairway to Heaven was straight up ripped off from, I believe it was somebody oh, yeah. who opened Definitely. for them. The Spirit. Yeah. Uh, like, the song Taurus, yeah. It's total direct, yeah. Yeah, and that, that's, to me, that's a different, like, that's a different category of thievery. Um, and so I've always kind of held that against Led Zeppelin a little bit. But, um, However, as a band, they were fucking amazing you know and they could improv on stage and and i mean they pretty much wrote their second album during the dazed and views jams you know yeah. <laughs> i mean they're a, a monster band they just should have you know like when they're doing something like uh i can't quit you which is basically a straight up cover song then just yeah. credit who's it was you know don't say oh we wrote the song you know yeah just give them credit man and like a share of the yeah. royalties like yeah, they were already like which, this was right when which music now was. The, now they do. Willie Dixon's getting his money now, or his yeah. family, I guess you know. But yeah, this was right the time that like bands like that became like super bands, you know, and they started like making like real actual money. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's that's pretty. And then shitty, uh, um, from from a recent or not so recent now, but uh, uh, you know, I turned you on to the small faces. Uh, mm-hmm. Before they were like total psychedelic, they were kind of more uh, mod R and B. Uh, and listen to a song called "There's Called um, You Need Loving," <laughs> and you'll hear where where all of whole lot of love came from. Right. <laughs> and I mean the, the the small faces. It was a cover, and they said they credited the original artist. You know, "You Need Loving" is an old blues song, but when you hear the small faces do it. And here's Steve Marriott's vocal. It's it, that's you know Plant obviously studied and copied. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's and just the gall to even do that, you know, and say, hey, this is our song. That's pretty. Uh, but ballsy. they're they're an amazing band. Jimmy Page is an amazing songwriter and producer, and and they you know I mean they. Uh, they did do a lot of groundbreaking stuff, and I mean, they did a lot of original stuff too. For as much as stuff as they ripped off, I mean, something like No Quarter or Cashmere. I mean, there's sure, you know, yeah. there's not, uh, there's nothing like that that came before it. Plenty of stuff like that that came after it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like Cashmere, that's like one of the most famous um, riffs oh, yeah. of all time. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. And then Jimmy Page had to go and give it to fucking was it Kanye? <laughs> uh, or who did he, who did you do song. that one with? I can't remember. Yeah, I don't. I don't I'd have it to. Was, it was Jay Z or Kanye or one of those guys. Right. One of those. I, I I remember what you're talking about, but it's not um, quite registering at the moment. But um, Zeppelin had their uh, 
dances with the the devil as well. For sure, <laughs> like yeah. Sabbath. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, was it Plant Page, or Page? It, it was Page, wasn't it? He was way into the Page. Adult. Bought Aleister Crowley's house, and you know Crowley was like the 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 guy who pretty much introduced the occult to mainstream yeah. audiences. Yeah, of course, and. Uh, yeah, so yeah, Paige bought his house. I think that's the house where John Bonham died. Um, you know, they went through a lot of tragedy. I think it was Robert Plant, uh, one of his kids died. Yeah, really uh, young. In a car accident. Yeah, really young. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I, you know, I could believe they sold their soul to Satan for all the fucking <laughs> bad stuff that happened to them. <laughs> well, I mean, they did rip off a bunch of Robert Johnson songs, so maybe they did. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The devil's like, okay, look, I already gave all my best shit to Robert Johnson, but <laughs> so you guys you just, just fucking it. steal that, you <laughs> and you'll be it. good to go. <laughs> um, so I would say, I would go with, um, I would say Led Zeppelin 2 and 4 are both, like, fucking great. Um, but for me, I would say Houses of the Holy is the best one. Houses of the Holy has all my favorite stuff on it, No Quarter yeah. and the Rain Song. Now three is often overlooked and and kind of underrated, and that was you know because it's kind of considered their acoustic album, but it was more just like you know the, it's got heavy stuff too. It was more like they were kind of doing the light and heavy thing, which which always works so well, you know. Yeah, um, that one's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, like you said, like the the songs on Houses of the Holy are just like fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah, like that's over that's the hills that's and peak. far away. Uh, Dancing yeah, peak zip. Yep, the ocean, like the guitar riff on that oh, yeah. song is fucking yeah. Yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and even like and a song that, too. even a song that gets like uh, overplayed, like you said, if you listen to classic uh, radio for any amount of time, like every time I hear Dire Makey, Dire Maker, um, uh, yeah, <laughs> like not to turn you uh, listeners away or anything, but that that song uh. makes me want to do the sex. Um, that's just <laughs> sexy as hell. <laughs> uh, oh boy! And it, so here's the thing with me and Led Zeppelin, and it, this is partly the song stealing, um, because as you said, you know they're a fucking like great band. Robert Plant was a like great um, vocalist, great singer, uh, great frontman. Yeah, Paige was a great guitarist. John Paul Jones was great. John Bonham's like one of the best drummers that. Like, oh just yeah. Period. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, but there's. I mean, usually if you're asking someone who's the best drummer, it's like, okay, who's who's the best drummer besides Bonham? Because yeah. we we already know Bonham's yeah. the best. Yeah. You know? Um. There's just something about like I can't even like put my finger on it, and um, part of it I think, and like I I actually in talking about Chris Gal actually um that. He apparently is a hypocrite um, because he didn't do that kind of moralizing when it comes to the Rolling Stone. Um, right. I'm a huge Rolling Stones fan, um, so it's kind of hypocritical <laughs> for like, me to think so this about Led Zeppelin. But a whole lot of their lyrics, um, especially, of course, Living Loving Made would be the most egregious example. Like, I can't even listen to that song. It's so fucking cringeworthy. Um Oh, and, and I mean, there's, uh, you know, Zeppelin has the most insane groupie stories, too. Yeah. I mean, if you've ever re- yeah, read, for sure. you know, like the shark the, story, you know, the, the Seattle Hotel uh, fucking uh, mud shark. Yep. <laughs> yep. And of course, as we uh, talked about 
um, I think it was the last episode, that uh, Jimmy Page literally kidnapped a 13-year-old girl to have sex with her. Yeah, yeah. That was, so, yeah. Um, but it, it, it was it was when it, it was Bowie's girl, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. She yeah, hooked up yeah. with Bowie later, also while she was still yeah. underage. And to be yeah. clear, um, she did later say that she loved it. However, oh sure, <laughs> he still kidnapped yeah, still a thirteen-year-old yeah. girl to have sex with her. Yeah, um, yeah. Which, but like I said, it's a, it's hypocritical because, of course, the Rolling Stones also um, in the seventies were famously debauched on tour. Um, basically I mean, the same stuff. Page was on a bunch of heroin, out of his mind, yeah. and I, you know it was the seventies, and I'm sure there was ways for him out of his mind to you know justify that at the time. Yeah, not sure. that that makes any excuse or anything, but and whatever you know. I mean, it's just you know. I mean, it's separating art from artist. I'm I'm interested in the music and the art, and you know. Unless you're Ted Nugent or Kid Rock, I can probably get past <laughs> your transgressions. Yeah, and, and that doesn't always make sense, you know. Um, like it doesn't, some, it doesn't, sometimes... and it's hard to reconcile. But you know, it's like I, I, music speaks to me on a different level than than you know the the foibles of humans fighting off their demons. You know. Yeah, what I was going to say is that um, sometimes. Um, like separating the art from the artist. Sometimes I do it and it's unconscious and I have no problem with it. Um, like Bob Dylan, we talked about, he was not uh, exactly the nicest I guy in the world. I admittedly like a couple of Ted Nugent songs. Yeah, he, he had some good, good songs. <laughs> also a world-class douchebag, but, um, yeah, and then yeah. other times, like, when uh, Stranglehold comes on, I fucking throw the horns, you know? <laughs> um, but sometimes, you know, like with Led Zeppelin, it, it just bothers me. Um, and like, I can't watch Woody Allen's movies anymore. Um, when the after the Louis C.K. stuff came out, at least for the foreseeable future, I will not be watching anything with Louis C.K. in it. Um, so it's just it's yeah. Not, I kind of I find myself that way with um oh uh, what's his name fucking Usual Suspects Seven Kevin, or uh, yeah Kevin Spacey. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Because I was a big fan of a lot of his stuff, and now it's just like I don't even. <laughs> yeah yeah and it, it doesn't always make sense um and just some, and, and sometimes maybe it's it just maybe it's just because it of maybe it's just because of my relationship with music you know and that's what makes it different than the movies i don't know well even with music i mean because like i said you know the rolling stones did awful things bob dylan was a total fucking asshole john lennon beat the shit out of his every woman he was ever with um and i i still love them still love their music um I'm pretty sure Lou Reed is like probably the most despicable human that has ever walked the earth. <laughs> yeah, he was really shitty. He was really shitty. Although <laughs> he did have, um, he had a lot of fucked up things happen to him too. Um, yeah. So I believe there was molestation um, because he was gay. His parents um, like had him electroshocked to like cure him of being gay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Stuff like that. I'm sure that, um, yeah, that's going to work. So, yeah, Led Zeppelin. I'm going to shock some Jesus into you, yep, boy. Yep. Uh, and, uh, so, yeah, Led Zeppelin, I definitely great band, lots of great songs. But for whatever reason, like, I've always just been a little just put off of them. 
just a little bit. Enough that I don't like fully love them the way that a lot of people do. Well, you know, you know what? I have if if you're still undecided, if you're still not ready to pick Black Sabbath, I have the deciding <laughs> piece of information right now that is going to swing you. All right, let's hear. Are it. you ready for this? Yeah. Okay. Now, both Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin played Live Aid. And Black Sabbath, that was the first time since they broke up that the original four members played together. Now, of course, Zeppelin, that was impossible. John Bonham passed away, so there's no way they could have played with the original four members. So, do you know who played drums for Led Zeppelin at Live Aid? Who's that? You don't know? No. Phil Collins. Oh! Boom! <laughs> that clinches it. It's Led game Zeppelin. over, Led Zeppelin. Phil Collins, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you should have told me that bit in advance, so I could have been ready for that. Game one. over, Black Sabbath, I guess. Actually, <laughs> yeah, no. I just thought of it. I'm sorry. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I was inclined to go either way, um, and. Yeah, I, I guess I'll go Black Sabbath. Here's here's a baseball analogy for Led Zeppelin, because Led Zeppelin are 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 so good. You know, they're almost too good. You know, being a Led Zeppelin fan is like rooting for the Yankees. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Black Sabbath. <laughs> you know, it's like, come on, try a little harder. Obviously, Zeppelin's fucking great, you know? Try a little harder. <laughs> yeah, Black Sabbath would be more of a plucky underdog. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. And yeah. and they and they won, you know? Yeah, for sure they won. Um, maybe they were the uh, Chicago Cubs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Cubs were losers for so long, though, and Sabbath were just always yeah, fucking... That, yeah, they hit it know, out of the from park the get. from the get-go. Yeah, I mean, the, the their first song on their first album fucking invent. I mean, you know, there was bands before Sabbath that were doing heavy things, but it was, like uh, it was pretty obscure, pretty obscure and, and nothing like that. And they took it yeah. and they made it huge. And, and they, I mean, you know, yeah, for better or worse, heavy music is all inspired by influenced by black Sabbath. Uh, Another thing I, w- I was thinking about, um, I included this in my notes for sure. Um, this directly relates to both Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath. Uh, we need, because uh, I've listened to quite a bit of Ween, um, but we we probably need to find uh, like a guest who is also like really heavily into Ween so that you guys can geek out on Ween together totally nerd out on ween yeah i mean yeah, i can nerd I mean, out I'm on ween them, as, as as much as any anything yeah because they've they've definitely done led zeppelin songs and black sabbath songs for sure and done them they have extremely well the, yes more more on the zeppelin tip there yeah, than the sabbath but yeah definitely. both for sure uh as well as pink floyd of course oh yeah jimmy uh, buffett yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> That's the great thing about Ween is if they decide like we're gonna do a song in like the style of this band, it is exactly the style of that band. No, it's better. They take they take the essence of that band and they make it better because they filter it through Ween. I don't know if I can go that far with you. But. 
I go that far. <laughs> Ween is my second favorite band. Yeah, I, I know. If you're it, you know, if I could, if I could let go of my childhood attachment to Kiss, Ween would be my favorite band easily. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, well, we're definitely gonna have to have a, a Ween centric uh, yeah, episode find at a, some point. We could even yeah. maybe even just do a Ween episode if we could just find Ween, a, yeah. Just ween versus Ween. ween God versus yeah. Ween versus Satan. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, you could do like early Ween, where it was more yeah. raw. Oh, yeah. And yeah. really sh- the four track shitty ween. production value. And then... Uh, versus, yeah, late period yeah, Ween. Later when they got very uh, conversant in uh, production. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will say, uh, just as a sneak preview, uh, the pod is... Uh, Easily my favorite Ween album. That's awesome. <laughs> Anyone that says the pod is their favorite Ween album, that's that is super awesome. Because there are some times where I will be in a mood where no nothing except listening to the pod will suit that mood. <laughs> I I know exactly that type of mood that you're talking about. <laughs> Let me start. You just want to listen to the pod loud, you know. Let me start off with a basket of chips. I will then move <laughs> on to the polio sada taco. 1607 uh, is your change. <laughs> All right. 1607. Uh, pull it to, <laughs> here, let me get your drinks. Uh, but, uh, not the sauce yeah. on, on the side, not inside the taco. <laughs> I like to dip this Tostitos in the guac. I like to dip the Tostitos in the guac. <laughs> More cheese, please. <laughs> but we will, uh, we will get into ween more heavily at, uh, some a other time. Yes. Um, so I'm thinking, uh, given the short turnaround here, because this is Thursday that we're recording on, we usually record on a Monday. Um, I'm thinking, let's go ahead and uh, just go a, a week and a half. Um, and then there's one of two guests will be joining us, assuming that both of them don't fall through. Um, Sweet. And uh, who the bands will be is uh, dependent on which guest that will be. Depending on so the guest. We won't announce that ahead of time. Um, yes. So anyway, um, you got any uh, final thoughts on any of this or anything? Um, I think I said everything I wanted to say and some things that I thought of at the, in the moment that were pretty good. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> have a good week, everyone. And uh, we will talk to you later. Later.